Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm tired. I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> I know. It's 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 been a very today has been the longest day. So we are recording this episode as I think we've mentioned in other episodes. We're we're recording some episodes out of order and various things, and this is I think the latest in the day we've ever recorded an episode. Yep. So literally anything could happen. It's like <laughs> nighttime. Sun's not down yet. We still got time. We can beat it. Mm. so what are we talking about this evening or this morning or whatever it is whatever whenever it is i don't know uh we are returning to our classics revisited series with uh something that i've mentioned before that we were spending part of the summer watching and that is brideshead revisited the original itv granada 11 part it felt like a billion hours series that basically kind of started the idea of period drama as we know it today but yeah it's really long so uh, uh, this this was my suggestion and i have to admit that when lacy originally uh, came came up with the concept of classics revisited as a as a as a running as a as a running serial as part of this podcast this was literally the first thing i thought of not like not 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 any mysteries not whimsy not sherlock not any of the thing i thought of this first can i just can i just ask when uh was the last time you watched this um the last time i watched this was in 2008 um now I I I had I'd seen the one with uh with Matthew Good Ben Wishaw Ben Wishaw and I was I was really disappointed in it and I actually rented the DVDs from Netflix through the mail in order to watch it for the youngsters among us I don't know if you guys remember that Netflix did start out as a DVD rental service but they would just mail you the DVDs to your house yes and and that is actually how i watched it the last time i watched this i'm actually pretty sure that i have a copy of that tom hiddleston woody allen movie like that i just never sent back to <laughs> um so uh basically brideshead revisited to me is one of the very first uh pbs tv series that i ever watched as a kid now I, i've said this before on the pod that i basically grew up without a television my parents got rid of it when i was like three or four and we got one again when i was 12 and this is one of the last things my mother ever saw on television before they got rid of it and it was one of the very first things she bought and she bought like it this was back with vhs tapes that were all two hours long and like you know in the big puffy white cases and I have this was very much imprinted on me as the idea of the platonic ideal of a pbs show and one of the things I re- remember thinking when I rewatched it in 2008, you know, how we keep saying, you know, uh, uh, when, when we watched Jane Eyre and we said it with another one, too, they certainly don't make it like that anymore. And honestly, like, I remember thinking in 2008, it's not that they certainly don't make it like that anymore. They never made it like that. This is the only one that ever looks like this. Um, I just when I opened up the, the queue to watch it. Because they have a new fancy 4K version on BritBox, even though I don't know what 4K means and couldn't tell you the difference. And I clicked the first episode. It was like, this episode is an hour and 45 minutes long. I had to lay down. 
Um, but I guess before we get too far into this, someone you should summarize this for the people. Because I had truly, like, I, I feel like I had forgotten almost everything about this. Okay. Other than Sebastian, which I think I just imprinted on because of he likes wine and Ben Wishaw. Um. <laughs> So, Brideshead Revisited uh, is uh, the the novel was written by Evelyn Waugh in like the 1940s, and it's basically like this soap opera story of this family of aristocratic English Catholics who live in this giant palace that's called Brideshead Castle, and Charles Ryder becomes friends with one of the with one of the family. His name is Sebastian. They they meet while they're in Oxford and. Charles is kind of like crushing on on Sebastian, not not quite sexually, but more like a I I, I want to be you kind of thing. Like it's I I don't know if I want to be you or if I want to do you or both kind of thing. Um, Sebastian, on the other hand, com- clearly very much wants to sleep with Charles, and Charles is a little not so clueful about that. Anyway, uh, Sebastian takes him home, and at first he tries to like sort of prevent. Uh, Charles from finding out about his family and meeting his family because his family are all very Catholic other than his father. But then he, I think he breaks his foot and he basically desperately needs somebody to basically wait on him hand and foot and he tells Charles he's dying and Charles comes running and the two of them basically start, it's never clear if they're actually sleeping together or if they're just like repressed wanting each other. Um, but then all the rest of the family comes home and he discovers that like uh, uh, Lady Marchmaine, his mother is like this, that basically like this, this, this intense Catholic who um, shames her son for, for having gay feelings. And her daughter, Julia, is basically rebelling and like marries like a non-religious guy. And their younger daughter, Cordelia, like I think she she wants to be like a she wants to be like a missionary practically. And it's. Basically, a lot of things happen where, like, Sebastian runs away, Julia marries and then divorces, um, Charles also marries and then divorces, and he and Julia then accidentally find each other again. Well, before they divorce, they they find each other again, and they basically start having an affair. And it's a little uncertain if, like, Charles is bi or if he's sort of sleeping with Julia because he could never sleep with Sebastian, or maybe he was just sort of into both. It's a little incestuous and a little weird. Um, but they never actually get married, even though they get divorced from their respective spouses, because basically Julia realizes that she she has she she she's far too Catholic at the base of it, and Charles is is he says he's agnostic, but he's basically an atheist, and she just can never really marry that. But he's not, though. He basically converts at the end. He does basically convert at the end. So the thing is, is that Evelyn Waugh, um, he basically wrote a bunch of a, a like social satire kind of like comedy books, and then he converted to Catholicism, and this was like his great work that he produced right afterwards, and. So I have always sort of thought of this as, without really thinking about it, as a pro-Catholic kind of show. And it's one of those... No, no, it's one of those things where... No, 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 no. It's one of those things where, like, because I grew up Jewish and my dad my dad was an atheist, but his, the rest of his family, C of E, like, my, my aunt's a vicar, like, one of the first women ordained in England, kind of, like, really, like, like religious. Um, I... I Catholics were always sort of othered to me as a child. So the, the the Catholic and the aristocratic stuff all sort of folded together in my brain. 
And I never really like I think rewatching this with 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 a much having now done media criticism for me, you know, when I first when I last watched this in 2008, I wasn't yet like writing as a as a person. I was still doing theater and stuff. And this is the first time I've really watched this since becoming a media critic. And it really hit me so differently now. And I'm really intensely curious to know what you thought of it as a Catholic. The and whole show or just the Catholic bit? All of it. Like, I'm really, oh, I'm okay. really curious. I, I, I don't even know. Like, I know that the last week has been you basically yelling at me at how long these freaking episodes are. Oh my gosh, they're so long. They're so long, guys. <laughs> but like, I, I can't actually parse whether or not you like it. I just, I should have, re- I should have realized this because it comes from the same people who make the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes who are very like note faithful to the source material and i have been told that this is note faithful to the book and it basically like leaves nothing out of the book and it's it's like the the line for line adaptation of your dreams basically okay so so um before charles sturridge is the guy who directed this it was his first project that he ever did he actually married phoebe nichols after this um and uh, who 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 is uh, I think she's, Ju- she's Julia in this, or no, sorry, Cordelia. Um, anyway, uh, she uh, he basically he had a script and he threw it out, and they basically winged it the entire way through using the actual novel and like literally all of those giant voiceovers are somebody with the book with or Jeremy Irons with the book just reading passages aloud and the actual like most of the dialogue is like pulled word for word from the book that tracks actually <laughs> it really <laughs> um, does so i think i think there is an argument to be made that occasionally your adaptation can be a little too literal but uh back to the to the catholic thing i actually really um I really wasn't sure when the show first when, when in the first early going episodes, like how I was meant to read it. I wasn't sure if it was because like our audience viewpoint character is Charles and he is very sort of scornful towards Catholicism and towards the fact that Sebastian is such a mess, but still goes to mass and sometimes goes to mass multiple times a day, despite all of his, you know, very sort of obvious sinning. And I, I was wondering if, if we were meant to sort of judge the, what is their family name? Flight? Yeah, the flight. Uh, the, the flights in a, from sort of like a pedestal kind of looking down on them way because Charles was so snooty about it. But I actually don't think the show is snooty about it. I think the, the show has a lot of really interesting, like quiet affirmations of faith. And if not the church specifically, than of like sort of I'm making air quotes like God's grace kind of I think the show really believes in in the prospect of grace the possibility of redemption like the the idea that we're not defined by the worst thing that we've ever done and I really liked it for that um I don't know what I think about some of the larger narrative elements like I like Julia's very dramatic sort of like whatever I'll just get married in the Protestant church like or her sudden decision to kind of come back to the church after her father dies I think I don't I don't know I've never read the book so I'm I'm not sure if there's more in the book than is on the screen I doubt it actually no I but, I don't think so <laughs> but I just don't I don't feel like I got to see enough 
of her. I, I don't feel like I got to see her turn in both of those instances enough to really understand, like, other than the fact that her father that she didn't seem particularly close to died. I don't really what know. I don't really know what spurred her decision to sort of re-embrace God and in doing so reject Charles because honestly she's married to a Protestant. So technically her marriage is not recognized by the church anyway. Um, I mean, you can actually, there are ways to bury it. There are different, we got married in the church and they give you this, really long booklet of things you have to check boxes on. And there's different um, forms of the mass that you do. If one of the parties is Catholic and one is not, and there's one that you do if both people are Catholic. I mean, you don't really do like, there are certain things you don't do if, if both of you are not in the church, it's not technically a sacrament in the same way. Um, But where was I going with that? The church has, I do, I do like that they really did their homework and all the sort of minutia of like church ritual though. It really does nail for me the way that I think a lot of people either think of the Catholic church as sort of this like monolithic thing surrounded in weird rituals and like oil and smoke and stuff. I th- I think it nailed a lot of that. And it, 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 as someone outside it looking in might see it that way. And I think it really... I mean, it got all the like little observances and things spot on, which I liked. I ended up liking the Catholic stuff more than I thought I would because it actually ended up feeling really genuine to me, even though I'm not sure that I 100% understand Charles's conversion. But I guess. Yeah. Welcome home. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I think that's why as a, a, at a younger age, I thought of this as sort of a pro-Catholic, pro-faith kind of show because it does basically end with this sort of idea of God's grace. Well, I think I think that's more evident, not even in in Charles going to the chapel at the end, but in uh, when I guess he's still Lord Marchbane, even though he doesn't do any of the proper like Lord Marchbane things, even after... He spends so long being horrible to his family about religion, declaring he doesn't believe, like being rude to the priest there who's trying to give him less rights. Like he still makes the sign of the cross in the end. And I thought that was a really, I thought that was really powerful. Like that whole segment, especially when Charles was talking to the priest afterwards. Um, So I thought that was actually a better example of, just sort of like the bottomless possibility of God's grace rather than Charles at the end. Cause I was like, I felt like we skipped the part where Charles actually converted. Kind of. Um, I think that's sort of, I, I think it's, I think the idea is that he's sort of wavering the whole time and then seeing, seeing that moment is kind of what, what solidifies it for him. And I sort of always sort of took it as that that's the moment Julia decides too. that watching him die, watching that moment of him making the, the sign of the cross is for them the moment where both of them reaffirm their Catholic faith and really truly believe. And it's also the moment that they break up because they can't be together because they believe. Does that make sense? Like it's weird, yeah. but but I always sort of took it like that. I think it's also just because I mean that's Laurence Olivier who plays uh Lord Marchmaine, and for God's sakes, I mean there's a reason that the man basically has the 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 a British version of the Oscars named after him. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the actors in this show, this is just a little sidebar before we start on more serious topics. But 
Uh, I watched a lot of soap operas as a child. There are so, oh my gosh, the lady that played Claire Bloom, who plays Lady Marchmaine, was uh, something, her name, all I know his last name was Grimaldi on As the World Turns. Mm. She was incredible. Uh, Charles Keating, who plays Rex, was on Another World. He was Carl, uh, the very villainous dude with the like long gray hair. He was amazing. I was just like, oh my gosh, my teenage self is screaming. Um, this is very much a soap opera too. Like it really is, even almost more than Downton Abbey in a way. Like the the the, the sheer soap opera ness of this story is really can't be discounted, and yet there is it. it feels so highbrow well because it's rich people problems i suppose um and um i also like it, this ju- just the cast here is so stunning like simon jones who's the earl of brideshead bridey is so like i mean he's been in so many things he played he actually plays the king in the um downton abbey movie um uh as I said, like uh, John Gilgood is uh, Edward Ryder, uh, who's uh, uh, Charles's dad, um, and of course there's Jeremy Irons, who like is I don't know, like a living legend practically. Um, everything about this, everything about this show is just it. It's so like it, it's so on point in terms of like what you expect from a highbrow series. It's also extraordinarily naturalistic. And I think that's the thing that truly set it apart for me from anything else I've ever seen. Like, there was a moment, um, I don't remember if it's episode two or episode three, because the thing is, the thing is about this show is yes, it's long and it's and it, and and like every scene goes on for like ten minutes. But like I just I just I just watch it compulsively because nothing's happening and everything's happening. There's a moment where they're 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 in Vienna or no sorry they're in Venice and and the 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 serve the manservant is basically like saying oh the water the plumbing here sucks I'm gonna go find you guys hot water right and they're standing in the window and they're off to the side in the back of the shot and their their voices are actually like far away and distant even though it's the central conversation that's happening in the room and in the scene. But because they're so far away from the camera, they make the audio be far away from the camera. And I tried to remember the last time I've seen a television show do that, and I couldn't think of one. I did not notice that at all. So props <laughs> to you. <laughs> that's really funny because, like, that's a, that's a lot of the stuff that I really caught this time that I hadn't caught when I'd watched it before is all this sort of naturalism to the that, that, we, that we don't cut any of it. Like when you walk into a room, it takes as long to cross a room as it takes to cross a room. Hmm. I just don't, the thing is, is that I don't know that that was all entirely necessary. And maybe that was all about like creating the sort of uh, a sort of, you know, feel of life at Brideshead. But I was just, it's just it's so much. Well, well, I think that's the, I think that's the thing. Do you think that that's necessary? Because today, like I said, you know, they certainly don't make it like that anymore. And I'm pretty sure they didn't make it like that back then. Um, right. Like most TV shows do not do that because they have uh, they have 44 minutes with commercials, 60 without. Well, part of it is that I think it makes the sort of pacing of the whole thing a little weird. Yes. Yes. Very much. Because there's there's definitely. I am much more interested in the first half of this series than I am 
the back half mm-hmm. from a character perspective. Like I like I like the religion stuff at the end, but there is just a bunch of like there all of the stuff leading up to maybe through the first five episodes, like before Sebastian basically like leaves for North Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt was really a lot uh, more interesting and just better balanced than some of the episodes that came after it. That whole episode where Julia and Charles are on the boat. I, oof. I Again, that's another one that where I was just like, they take no television show would, would just drag it out like that. Like it really almost feels like, I know this is ridiculous, but it almost feels like the episode takes as long as it would have to do the crossing. I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> The crossing doesn't take that long. Right? Like, I really feel like they're trying to, like, be, you know, the way the way that 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 24 show was 24 episodes, each of one an hour, and it was 24 yeah. hours. Like, I feel like this is attempting to do that, but in, in, a, in, a, in a British soap opera way. I also think part of the problem for me is that I'm much less interested in Charles and Julia's relationship than mm. I am in Charles and Sebastian's. I will absolutely agree with that. Yes. So when we get whole episodes that are devoted to nothing but Charles and Julia staggering around drinking and smoking, like, oh my gosh, you could, I, I'm trying to think of the last show besides Peaky Blinders that made me want to just go out and chain smoke as much as this <laughs> one does. Truly, truly, um, nonstop. But so I, th- I think that's actually part of the imbalance as well. Is that the it's the Sebastian and Charles relationship that's the driver of the first half of the show, and I just don't think that Julia and Charles are as interesting, and so therefore it feels like that section from like maybe episode six to episode nine just really drags. Um. So one the thought that I had all through the boat episode, the 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 uh, is basically to me. Me asking, is Charles into Julia because he was into Sebastian and they never consummated their relationship? Or does he actually really like Julia for herself? I wondered about that as well, because he has a really interesting line to her where they're talking about Sebastian. And he basically says Sebastian was the forerunner. Mm. And I think that's actually the direct line is pretty much what he says. And I'm like, well, how in the world are we meant to interpret that? Like that he is the one that everybody afterward like has to live up to or follow or measure up to. I don't know. Like, or, or is it basically confirming that he's only really into her because she is sort of the acceptable version of Sebastian? Yes. For a variety of reasons. And I mean, at this point he's, I mean, once he leaves Morocco and, and, and leaves, you know, Sebastian to die with Kurt, you know, it basically like we have. He does, except then Kurt goes to a concentration camp and dies. Yeah. Um. So like the last four episodes basically have no Sebastian in them, right? And we basically are 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 post. It's basically Charles's post Sebastian life, and it's also the post Lady March main life. And I find that the, everything about it lives in their shadow. Um, everything Julia is doing is still like her mother is watching. And it's like everything Charles is doing is like Sebastian is watching. And I, I, again, like, I can't figure out if he's supposed to be bi or if he's supposed to be gay and represses it and, and basically tries to marry Julia because that's, that's what he can do. But, you know, it it also reminds me that this is that when this show came out, people denied that there was any gayness to it. 
Mm, okay. <laughs> Truly one of the gayest things I've ever seen, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I felt like I should go like look up fanfic after this, <laughs> like see what was on Ao3. I mean, but, honestly, that that scene in the beginning where where Sebastian throws up on Charles's shoes, like I thought to myself, I swear to God, this is a scene from an LGBTQ plus romance novel. This is this is this is this is this is the meet cute of of two people of of two people who are supposed to live happily ever after, except they won't. <laughs> Well, because I can't, like, I don't think that the show necessarily knows the answer because it also doesn't, like, it's very deliberate about the way it isolates Charles and Sebastian from literally everyone else in their lives. But Mm -hmm. it also doesn't judge that. No. If you get what I, like, it doesn't, it doesn't do that in a way that frames it as being like, here is what is destructive. Here, This is the reason that both of their lives are falling apart. Like, it doesn't judge it in that way. It's true. And 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 just because he leaves Sebastian also doesn't mean that Charles like suddenly is only living a straight lifestyle. Like I the the one with the the does he go to the bar with Anthony in the yeah. boat one or the one after? I forget. I think it's the one after that they go to the uh he keeps saying like horrible things like the pansy bar. Yes. Um and And the well and the thing is though is that the show is not subtle in portraying Anthony as being like stereotypically very gay Mm -hmm. or kurt for that matter like they very they they very much like sort of uh conformed the stereotypes of the time period but like somehow sebastian is sympathetic and and and, you know this is this is a time you know we we say we talk nowadays how like we have these lgbtq movies and tv shows and we never used to have this and then i pick up something like this and i'm like this is this where why does no one acknowledge this exists like um and then i actually look at the reviews and i look at the and i and i just and and start reading up the history and discover that there was a whole debate about it and like most people said of course not they're just friends they're gal they're gals being pals (laughs) they're gals being pals but um i i i tend to read into those things a lot anyway in other media i fully like that that relationship is not platonic. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 on, I, I, I cannot see it as that. Even if it's, uh, even if it never is physical, emotionally, it is not platonic. Right, and I just uh, one, yes, one hundred percent. Because I think, I think one of the things that happen when people sort of spiral in the way that Sebastian spirals throughout the story, and we'll talk about his alcoholism in a second. But I think you always tend to treat the people worst that you know love you enough to forgive you. Yes. Or at least love you enough to not leave. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, feels very much like what goes on here. Yeah. Charles basically, Charles won't leave Sebastian and Sebastian knows it on some incredibly deep level. And it's why he can lash out at him. It's why he can basically have Charles fund his, you know, his, his alcoholic binges. It, it, it's why he knows that Charles will come running if he says he's dying. He, it's why he knows that Charles will come to him in the monastery. And it is kind of almost a, a breaking when Charles leaves Morocco because it's like he He's finally decided that he can't live under that spell anymore, which is which is also why the whole Julia thing to me feels very 
I, I can't figure out which one it is because I very much want it to be that he's marrying Julie because she's the version of Sebastian he can have. Well, he's also he's he's also obsessed with the family. He too. is, and he's given up Sebastian when he leaves. Mar- when he walks has away, has he though? I, has he? I don't think he has. I don't think. I think he may have in the sense that like he has decided to go and do other things with his life because he can't sit there and just watch Sebastian die. Yeah. I don't know that I think he's given him up in a sort in a sort of like spiritual exorcism kind of way. No, okay. Um because and I'm thinking specifically of the scene where uh he and Cordelia go on that really long walk and Cordelia tells Charles about when she saw when the last time she saw Sebastian and she tells him all about the like Kurt and Germany and mm. concentration camp story and his response to all of that is not is not a person who is disinvested. I will agree with that, but he doesn't try to go running to Sebastian either, even though she's basically like, listen, he's going to die soon if you want to be by his side. Now is now is the time. He he literally stays where he is, Um, even though like he and Julia are struggling like heck at that point because Bridie and, and, and Bridie's terrible wife terrible terrible i i don't remember what her name is off the top of my head holy crap i just watched the show too um oh mrs i keep saying mrs muskrat but that's not actually her name (laughs) it's like mrs musk mrs musgar muskat or something it's some it's something that sounds tremendously like muskrat yeah and it i I, basically i think of it as bridie's terrible life um and and the fact that they're like literally like well we can't stay here because you two aren't married and you would live in sin what's let me just tell you is like a very extreme kind of catholicism (laughs) i just don't i i mean granted this was like way back in the day or whatever but let me tell you that most catholics are not going to refuse to talk to you if you're like divorced or living with a partner or whatever it's just not it's just yeah. it's wild it's wild <laughs> um well i think it's also supposed to be i think that that's one of the things where it's supposed to be that, that that and again this is like because she's also middle class instead of upper class like i feel like that's supposed to that that also ties into it almost like because she's not upper class she feels like she can't overlook things because she has to be you know she has to be stricter because she doesn't have the 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 uh, um the money well the money and the class to be anything else if that makes any sense um i do really think it's interesting that this is one of the few cuz i know we've talked a lot before about sort of the downton effect and the upstairs downstairs effect of needing to show us like the lives of all of these people besides just the rich people whose stories we tune in to watch this show does not acknowledge <laughs> that there are people who are not rich <laughs> well no like every so often the say the, every so often the, the 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 servants come by and say hey yeah, it's the one <laughs> called wilcox that's the only one and his job appears to be to bring drinks uh, basically um i do actually that is one thing that um having you know since the last time i watched it downton came out and i'm and we had this kind of like you know wave of upstairs downstairs kind of shows it really was something to sort of see a show that's just like to heck with that we, we we know you don't care about the, the the happy pastoral servants, and we are not going to bother with them, right? Like, and 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 I and I I I think I think that's good. I wish more shows <laughs> would just admit that 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 their audiences, especially American audiences, really don't want to think about like the gears that make this turn. 
the human gears that are downstairs making everything go. Like, yeah. Um, I, I also wonder, like, what do you think of the whole World War II, like, bookend sort of, like, framing of it? I don't know. Like, because I don't know that it really did anything for me in the sense of I don't necessarily feel... Like, it had a very sort of last night I went to Manderley again kind mm-hmm. of vibe. Yes. And I just, I, I don't, other than as a device for Charles to tell us the audience his story, like, it just, him suddenly just stumbling back upon the house again because reasons is, it's just, it's very weird. I didn't get a lot out of it other than, like, some characters throughout the story being, like, war is coming, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, these are really rich people who are not, terribly you know touched by the prospect of war um so this is actually one of the very few places where it's not faithful to the book that world war ii framing is merely the epilogue of the book that they took and basically turned into a framing device um and the uh, the Charles the the homeless childish middle-aged and loveless is basically sort of the theme of the epilogue and and which is I think why you know gets in the the it gets in the show like absolutely uh perfectly but like having that whole like 20 almost 30 minutes of basically what is the epilogue in front of everything else and like the haircutting scene and like it just it 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 goes on forever in the same way the rest of it does and it it sort of sets where the misery that charles is living in but also like i i don't know i almost feel like the show doesn't need it the show could have just dumped us into the 1920s in oxford and i honestly like think maybe that would have been better i forgot for huge swaths of it that this was sort of like a flashback (laughs) right no you do Um, you completely forget that until you until we come around to the end of the last episode like and then suddenly we're back at world war ii and i was like oh yeah right (laughs) i don't know i just because like i just didn't get the point of it at the end where he's like denying knowing the neighborhood where he's like oh i've never been to this house even though he's like going to talk to people who still work there right and like he's admitted to his underlings that he that he's that he's been there and like but he but he's it's almost like he's ashamed of admitting that he painted those paintings on the walls yeah i don't i I don't know. It, um, it is it is a strange. It does feel very strange, and I can I could see it as an epilogue of him sort of at war with himself. You know, do I admit that I was from here? Do I admit how much this meant to me? You know, but, but the thing is, technically, he's not even from there, right? And I don't feel like that. I don't feel like the story ever really grapples with that. Like he gloms onto it and adopts it, even beyond like. Even longer than like Sebastian, who mm-hmm. is literally from there, yes. does, and and yet he doesn't want to claim it, and it's it's very weird. I just don't that part of it. I think I just am not with it enough to grasp or something because I don't like. I think I feel by the end he's as much of Brideshead as anybody who actually like grew up in in that house. But what does that mean i don't know i almost feel like he takes over for sebastian like he's replacing sebastian in the same way i don't know if i want to do you or be you he never actually does sebastian but he becomes him and in a way he's almost a better version of sebastian because he can at least like do the marrying thing or tries to even if he he and julia never actually get married sebastian is just so tragic to me i know um can i tell you can i can i tell you um 
when I first watched this at the age of 12, when my mother got the videotapes, I didn't understand why my teddy bear was named Aloysius until I saw this. <laughs> I mean, Aloysius <laughs> is very adorable, but also that is such like pretentious crap. Um, I, he's just real. it's really just, it's also, this is one of, I think the best examples of like, uh, alcoholism that i've seen <gasps> yes. on television because it's so true to what it's like both being an alcoholic i think and trying to live with and love somebody who has a problem yes i would absolutely agree with that um one of the it, it really is when we find him again in morocco and he's lost all the weight and he looks so terrible and yet he's just he's just gonna he's just crawled into the bottom of a bottle and he's never coming back up and it's 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 hard to watch, especially if you know people who are alcoholics and you've seen this kind of rock bottom where it where they hit rock bottom and they just keep going. Or or not even that. It's basically when Cordelia and, and Charles are talking. I really thought that scene mm. in one of the later episodes between Charles and Cordelia where they're talking about Sebastian, like finally properly talking about Sebastian is really good. That that's the that's the end of that's the end of the the, the penultimate episode. Right. Um, Greg will Greg will be very happy that you said penultimate. That's like his favorite <laughs> word right now. Um, but the they're talking about they're talking about Sebastian and I I love their relationship anyway because I mm. feel like Cordelia is maybe the only person who really sort of accepted Charles for Charles and not like whoever Charles was trying to be in the moment. Yes, I think Cordelia is actually my favorite character too because I think she's maybe the only person on the show who's actually a good person. I I also love the fact that this is the actress that the director married and they stayed married for like their entire lives. Oh, but they're but she basically says she's like uh, where they're basically trying to speculate, like, how long does Sebastian have mm. left to live? She's actually really optimistic about it. She's like, I think I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to stay with these monks or whatever it is, and he's going to disappear off on a bender once a month and they'll find him passed out in the gutter and it'll become like a cautionary story. And just one time he won't come back from it or they'll find him dead in the gutter instead of passed out in the gutter and he'll. You know, it won't be the life that maybe he was born for or promised or anything, but he's going to keep doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I I have to say that is that is one of the really great scenes in the show. I feel like if I had to pick out a scene that was like the scene of the show, though, it's as much as it feels like the 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 the, the final episode of 90 minutes is like 90 percent Lawrence Olivier dying um I really do feel like once you get there it's almost like all at least for me and I I know that for you this was too that there's a there's a level where this was too long but I really felt like all of this had been building to that I mean that's not the bit I would have cut I would have cut some of the sort of saggy middle out Mm. um because I do think that that's all. I think when the family all comes back to Brideshead at the end, there for for Dad to to shuffle off this mortal coil, I think that's all actually very important. I just think there's like some stuff in like sort of episodes six through nine, seven through nine that is just unnecessary. Um, it really the thing is is that um, like I I, I have admitted this I think before on the pod that when I watch screeners a lot of times I'm also working on something else and that they're sort of playing next to me and basically I hit episode I I I hit the final episode and I literally had to stop and said no 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 I I need to watch this at a point when I don't have anything else to do I I I have to watch I have to watch this with everything 
because this is this is the no it was like this is the episode i really love oh my god i'm here right and while the rest of it had sort of been playing in the background and like you know i would i would sort of you know pop in and like look at them and 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 watch like you know the whole ricks and and defiant and defiant julia get married in this protestant ceremony and then i sort of you know, so back out again. Oh my gosh, Rex! Rex's like attempt to convert oh. was just so much. <gasps> wow. From like Julia, from Cordelia, like telling him that there are like sacred monkeys in the Vatican, <laughs> which there are not. Um, to him just being like, "Who do I write a check to to get this over?" With? It's just like zero effort from this man. Also, I just love Charles Keating. So, I I, I have to say, I love also that Cordelia is the only one who goes to the wedding. Like, everybody else is like, screw you, we're not doing this. And Cordelia's like, listen, I'm going to watch my sister throw her life away. It's fine. <laughs> like I said, I'm pretty sure Cordelia is the only person in this whole show that's actually a good person. I, I would agree. For for all that she's a little, for all that she's a little off, um, I, I like her a lot. Um, I, 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 I mean, what, even the scene where we meet her on the roof where they're standing there naked with those blankets in front of them, like, and she's just like, doesn't bat an eyelash. Like, there's just, there's so much good Cordelia stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> and then, like, uh, when she's like, "Oh, I had a, I had a governess or someone kill herself by jumping off the bridge," and Charles <laughs> is like, "Oh, that's the first thing I ever heard about you." <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, as a as as a classics revisited, would you recommend this to people? Would you tell them go go to BritBox and watch this? 4k whatever 4k is i don't know what 4k is either um i don't know what 4k is either it looked the same to me but i will say watching something in 3-4 is really useful though because it meant i could have the slack literally in a column right next to it and talk to you while i was watching (laughs) (laughs) um i think it's one of those things that like if you're a fan of this this sort of genre it's probably good to watch but it does feel a little bit like i'm assigning homework that's really funny because, you know, to me, like, it, even though it is so slow, like, the slow television aspect just just becomes sort of, like, part of it. And, like, I literally would just go one episode to the next episode to the next episode and, like, I I, I just I, I just let it play next to me and felt comforted by it. <laughs> and maybe that's just proof that, like, it was one of those things that I watched at a very impressionable age, but, you know. I, I think that may have something to do with Probably. it. Probably. But uh Jeremy Irons is still hot. <laughs> Jeremy Irons is still hot. Uh the performances are are really good. The the sets are gorgeous, like the outside sh- it's basically everything you think a period drama should be, unless what you want a period drama to be is like a romance with fluffy skirts, because it's not that. No, it's but- definitely not that. No one is wearing fluffy skirts. But um, it is it is very well made and I can see why it has lasted as sort of a gold standard for as long as it has. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you do make one of those things that nobody else is going to make because you really are just going to commit that hard. Like, I mean, this there's a level where, you know, you know, they say it didn't have to go that hard. The show probably didn't have to go that hard. It didn't have to go that <laughs> slow. It didn't have to go that that it didn't have to go with passage after passage after passage. But it did. And it, you have to respect that. You know, I just love a judicious editor is all I'm saying. <laughs> I just there is no way there is no way this could have been made today. 
I mean, cer- certainly not in the form that it's in now. No, there is no way this could be made like this. And any, I think that's part of the reason why the 2008, as much as I, I, I have to say, I, I love Ben Whishaw. Well, I think that's too, I think he is really honestly a perfect Sebastian, but um, because he has that sort of I'm broken mm-hmm. vibe that I think really works for this character. <laughs> um, but I think, I, just because I don't think it needs to be 11 to 12 hours. Like, no, actually, it's def- it's 11 episodes. It's at least like 13 hours. It is 659 minutes. Woo! That is a long time. Mm-hmm. How many? Do the math on that. How many, uh, I, how many I, hours stop? I, I'd have to actually pull out a calculator because I cannot I'm do gonna math. Out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out a calculator. What would you say? 629? 659. Oh, all right. Let's not cut out 30 hours. <laughs> or no, minutes. Oh, it's six thirty nine. Uh, it's eleven hours. Yes, basically that 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 I that I buy, um, because I believe it was six. I think it was three volumes, six six VHS tapes that my mother had. <laughs> Did they come in the big like clamshell cases like Disney, like Disney, like Disney movies used to do? Yes, they were all puffy, and and they had and they had a they had a, um they had the teddy bear on the cover. Is the thing that I remember oh. the most. Is it what do we know what happened to Aloysius? No, we never know what happened to Aloysius. Oh. I, I do but my my Aloysius is still in the attic in my parents' house. <laughs> well, at least one of them survived. Uh that is our that is our episode on Classics Revisited. Brideshead Revisited. It's really weird to say that word so close to itself twice. But um if you have a classic that you think we should revisit. We would love to hear about it. We are at televisions at weta.org and we have done we've done quite a bit. We we seem to end up doing a lot of period dramas just because like we're in a, a time of the television season where I have to watch a lot of mysteries. So we just throw me the bone of a period drama on occasion. Eventually, I will make her watch Peter Whimsy. I will make yeah, her watch Harriet okay. Walters, Harriet Fane. I promise y'all go. I promise y'all. OK, it won't be happening this year. Because uh, there's nothing on the schedule left for mysteries. So, haha to that. Um, anyway, if, like I said, send us emails, tweet at us if you have something you think that we should watch again and talk about and see how it holds up in the year of our Lord 2022. And with that, Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. And you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy tails at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. And I also freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I wrote about this week, just go to my Twitter because that's where I retweet all my bylines. Have Thanks. Oh, and um, I, I, I would push what I wrote this week, but I have no idea what week it is. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, what is time? Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I too always tweet my bylines. So be my friend and you will see them. Plus the occasional photos of my cats who are also very cute and have their own Instagram at Baker and Hammer. If you would like to just be friends with them, which I totally understand because they're pretty cool. Uh, the site and the pod are on social media at Tele underscore visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. You can listen to this podcast on WETA's YouTube channel at WETA PBS. Uh, we are a product, surprise, surprise, of WETA. And if you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org for news, recaps, listicles, whatever thing we feel like opining about in the world of British entertainment. But if you really like what we do, you will click on that donate button up top and help us keep making 
all of this content for your eyes and ears. You can also get access to PBS Passport, which is chock full of exclusive binge opportunities, early binge opportunities, and just cool stuff to watch online. So there is that. Um, I don't know. Like I said, when I started this show, I'm tired. So I don't have a lot to babble at you here about the end, for which I'm sure you are all very relieved. But just take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Do something nice for a stranger. It'll make you feel better. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.